So good morning. Today we're going to be continuing our series, um, Life to the Full. Who's enjoyed it so far? If you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Colossians 3. That's going to be our passage for this morning. You know, it's been a great series, hasn't it? Looking at some of life's practical issues and putting a Christian stamp on them. I've absolutely loved it. Uh, looking at how we as Christians, people who've encountered God, can tackle with some of these big life issues. Uh, and I've really liked the uh, practical aspect of this series. But what I've loved more than anything is hearing stories. That's been the best thing, hasn't it, hearing stories. And in that, we've had different people up speaking. So I've loved hearing Charlotte and Lou and Jordy and Angela and loads of people come up and share their perspectives and stories in these situations. And today is no different. So as, as Raj said, I'm really excited that Haley is going to be speaking to us later. I'm a little bit nervous, though, because you, got, you guys are going to see who's the wise one in our relationship. I feel like my cover's blown. Uh, <laughs> But no, that's what makes the church unique. Uh, we're a family of diverse people with many different views, from many different backgrounds, grappling with the same issues, going through the same things. So that's why it's been great to hear different perspectives. So today's topic is something that we talk a lot about in youth work and in student work. But I think this might be the first ever Sunday sermon on this subject. All right, so don't switch off, okay, but today's topic is dating. Dating to the full. The world's first ever Sunday sermon about dating. And you know, this is a massive subject area. We could spend all day talking about some of the ins and outs of dating, uh, unpacking each and every area and aspect of this subject. But I realise you've all got Sunday dinners to get to, you all want to go home today. So as we have done so often during this series, we're going to be looking at one particular area of this bigger subject. Okay. Um, so today we're going to be sharing our experience and a little bit of wisdom, hopefully, into the area of dating within the church. Okay, so how can people within the church date effectively and still serve the church? Now, if you want to unpack the wider subject of dating, if you want to discuss it in more detail, why don't you do that this week in your community groups? Why don't you do that, that, that this week uh, in your chats and your coffees with people in the church? Discuss this wider subject area. If you are dating at the moment, this should hopefully help challenge you about how you can engage with the church community. If you're thinking about dating, you might get some helpful tips. And if you're past dating well, then maybe you might learn a thing or two about how you can help serve those who are dating or thinking about dating in the church. Okay, so don't switch off just because you're married, all right, or just because you're not dating at the minute. There's something in here for all of us. The last thing to say before I get started is, it's important to say that what we talk about today might seem relevant to younger people. Okay, a lot of the experiences that we're going to share, we experienced as young people. All right, we dated as young people, so a lot of this stuff might be relevant for young people, but that doesn't mean that dating is only relevant to young people, yeah? Not everyone who's dating is going to be under 30, because not everyone over 30 is married, okay? And is 30 even young anyway? I don't know anymore. The closer I get to 30, the less I feel like that's, uh, that's old. <laughs> so bear that in mind today. I think as a church, we need to bear that in mind, that this is a subject area which can uh, impact all of us and it's something that's relevant to all of us. So before we start unpacking this, let me just read our passage this morning. It's in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 10. It's going to be on the screen behind me. 
Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of its creator. Oh, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much uh, for your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you so much that your word and your scripture is, uh, is God-breathed, Lord. It's, it's written by you, it's inspired by you, Lord Jesus. And uh, we just want to pray this morning as we unpack this verse, Lord, as we look at this subject area, would you be speaking to us, Lord Jesus? Would you just uh, reveal wisdom to us in this, Lord Jesus? Lord, we thank you that you're a God who's alive, a God who speaks to us, Lord. We thank you that you can be uh, speaking to us in many different ways, Lord, and this is just another way that you can be speaking to our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right, so this morning we're not going to have three points. Okay, last week we had four, so I've got to knock a point off mine because of that. So we've got three, uh, we've got two, all right. Because everyone knows Sunday sermons have three points, Matthew. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking, please. (laughs) This morning we're going to be unpacking uh, two things, really. To start with, I'm going to look at godly dating and what godly dating is. And then Hayley's going to be sharing some of our experiences about the practicalities of dating within the Christian community. And then I'll get back up to finish. So point one, dating's a funny word, isn't it? It's definitely a word that we've got from the US, dating. So just to unpack what it means, I did a little bit of uh, research to find out what the word dating means. So I went to the first place that you would naturally look for wisdom in these areas, and I asked my grandma. Okay, so my grandma was over for Christmas. She came over from Gibraltar. You might have met her. She's about this big. All right, and uh, I said, Grandma, or Mama, as I called I said, Mama, what is dating? And she said, oh, well, that's courting, isn't it? She used the old-fashioned word, courting. We don't use that anymore. Other people might say, going out with in a relationship with, being exclusive with. I don't like that one, but there we go. (laughs) To get a bit of inspiration on this area, though, I did a bit of research, and believe it or not, it's pretty difficult to find a book about dating. So whenever you do a sermon, it's good to read some books around a subject area, but it's quite difficult to find books about dating. So I had to cheat a little bit and use a marriage book. Okay. So this book that I looked at is written by a guy called J. John. And he breaks dating down into two categories which I found helpful. It'll certainly clear up what we mean by dating. So within his book, J. John talks about low-level dating and serious dating. This is what he says, it's on the screen behind me. Low-level dating is little more than a well-developed friendship between two unattached people of the opposite sex. Serious dating is something different, however. Serious dating is purposeful, Its goal is to explore whether or not the person being dated is a potential marriage partner. 
So that's how he describes dating. What he goes on to say is that low-level dating involves no real commitment, and really it's just good friends going out for a coffee or for a McDonald's. It has very few differences between normal friendships, and really there are no expectations from it. We might call it going out on a date. I remember six, seven years ago when me and Haley went on our very first date, uh, we were so intentional about this being lower-level dating that we actually called it a no-date day, just to be clear, get those expectations set straight away. You know, it's important to build a friendship with the person that you're dating first. That's so important. I read another helpful book on this subject. It's by a guy called Matthew Hosier, who's son of John Hosier, who we all know. He says this, he says... If the idea is to be best friends with the person you're married to, it's probably a good idea to become friends with them before you start a relationship. Now, this low-level dating is absolutely fine. It's part of the natural cycle of dating. It's important that you go through this at some stage, but remember it's part of something bigger. To spend time getting to know a person is important. As Matthew said last week, friendship is important. And the cycle of dating is no different. Friendship is an important part of that. Dating should always start with friendship. But for the rest of this morning, we're going to be looking at um, something a little bit further down the line. We're going to be looking at what J. John calls serious dating. You see, serious dating um, is purposeful. It's really a dress rehearsal to see if two people are compatible for marriage. And this has to be the main goal and the main expectation. If not, it's a bit of a waste of time. See, serious dating involves two people becoming really emotionally involved, like opening themselves up to each other, sharing their hopes and dreams, and and it can result in serious emotional damage for either party, should it go wrong. Serious dating is not something that should be taken lightly, and it's something that you need to think and pray carefully about before you start it. And that's what makes it different to low-level dating. It's that expectations of it. And as a society, we're sold this idea that dating is the most normal thing in the world. It's something that we need to be looking for above all else. Probably even more so than marriage, actually, in a secular world. People talk about dating as this thing that we need. And everyone seems to be desperate for a relationship. And if you're not in a relationship, you should be seeking one. And that's something which can seem overwhelming. But if we look back at the passage in Colossians, it gives you a good place to start when thinking about dating. Look at verse 1 again. It says, set your hearts on the things above and not on earthly things. Set your hearts on the things above and not on earthly things. For me, this is the best piece of advice I can give when it comes to dating. Seek God first. Set your heart on Him first. He needs to be the thing you chase after. Not this idea of a relationship. God needs to be the thing that you are uh, most passionate about. You all know I like to put one-liners in my preachers, so get your phones out ready to tweet this. A relationship with God is the most important relationship you can ever have, and it always needs to be pursued first. A relationship with God is the most important relationship you can ever have, 
and it needs to be pursued first. Honestly, that's something which unfortunately I didn't grasp straight away. And that's why I'm passionate about telling you it this morning because becoming a Christian in my mid-teens meant that I was constantly looking for my future wife. Because I was worried that all of the pretty Christians would be married off before they were 25. So I would go to these Christian events looking for Mrs. Wright and I probably made a complete fool of myself along the way. Because for a lot of the time, my intention was on finding my wife and not on seeking God first. The reality is, though, that when we do seek God first, when our heart is completely in sync with him, we start to see things differently. You know what? The perfect wife does appear. But that process of giving everything to God, of seeking him first, needs to be done first. Right, look, young people, I'm going to talk to you for two minutes, all right? Let me put something straight. It's absolutely fine not to date. It's absolutely fine not to date. I wish I was giving this advice when I was first a Christian. It's fine not to date. Have friends at school. That's fine. Have friends at college. That's fine. But it's fine not to date. You don't need to be in a relationship. People might put pressure on you, telling you that dating is the be-all and end-all. But in reality, it isn't. Having friends is important. Having lots and lots of friends But don't pursue dating. Don't make that your goal. You don't need that. And do you know what? People will really respect that. I like to think of life as opportunities. It's like a series of opportunities to tell your friends about Jesus. If you're the only kid in your class who's not dating, that speaks volumes to your friends about Jesus. You know what, if that boy asks you out, or that girl asks you out on a date, and you say, no, actually, I don't want to because uh, I'm not interested in dating at the minute, that speaks volumes. And I don't hear what I'm not saying here, all right? As a Christian, we don't have to avoid every social situation. We don't have to hide away from every situation because we're busy focusing on God. No, as Christians, we need to be in, in the world and bringing Christian perspectives into that. So have friends. It's fine. Do you know what? If, if you want to go on a, a date, with your, if your friends are dating and you want to go along as a third wheel, that's great. Maybe not the best piece of advice. <laughs> but you know what? My point is this. You don't need to date. Actually, by not dating, you might speak volumes to your friends about Jesus. So don't seek this serious dating as a young person. That's what I would say. Now back to the passage anyway. I could preach a whole sermon on this passage in Colossians, but I won't. I'll just say this. I'll say, live as someone who's been born again. That's what the end of this passage says. Set your heart and mind on things that aren't of this world. And that's something that can speak volumes into our work life, into our friendships, into our parenthood, into our prayer life. Act as a new creation. Live as someone who's been born again. The same thing goes for our relationships. When we do start dating, we need to ensure that collectively we keep this focus on God. I realise how intense it can get in a relationship often. When you start going out, you just want to spend every minute with that person, don't you? You want to do everything together. But actually, the important thing is to keep God at the centre, to keep your heart and mind focused on God. Collectively seek God as a couple. 
And this is one of the main pieces of advice that I would give when I'm asked about whether or not it's right to pursue a relationship with a non-Christian. If one of the main aspects of a relationship is putting your mind and heart on God, both parties in that relationship, if you're not both able to do that, it's more than likely going to lead to heartbreak because you're both going to have different intentions. You're both going to have different things at the centre of your life. If both parties aren't able to set their hearts on God, it's going to lead to heartbreak eventually. Now, I'm not saying that dating a non-Christian can never work. And I'm not saying that dating a Christian will always work. That's equally as important. What I am saying is that it's important to put your trust, your mind and your heart on God above your partner. Because that's what godly dating looks like. It looks like two people who are madly in love with God growing in their love for each other. That's dating. And when you get that part of your relationship right, everything else falls into place. So like, think about purity, for example. This passage talks about taking off your old self and putting on your new self, living in your new identity. When you really think about what that's saying, it's saying you are now pure, clean, and spotless in God's eyes. That's your new identity. That's what this passage is saying. Your girlfriend or boyfriend is pure, clean, and spotless in God's eyes. Born again. That should excite you. You should want to live in that purity. You should want to live in that uh, new life, not because of religion, not because of rules, but because that should excite you because you are in love with God. You're a new creation. You want to live as, in the way that God sees you. You want to see yourself as God sees you. I don't want to spend ages talking about sex before marriage. As it's a sensitive area. But for me, that is the motivation to wait until you're married. God has blessed you with a pure life, a life that's spotless and blameless. Why would you want to change that? Why would you want to enter into something which the Bible would say was sinful? Why wouldn't you want to live uh, in this pure new life? It's tough to live that out in the 21st century, but I truly believe that it's one of the best decisions that me and Haley ever made to wait until we were married. Haley's going to share a little bit more about that when she gets up. But just to say a little bit of something else about sex before marriage, I know it's a sensitive area, but you might be in a relationship now you might be having sex and you're not married. What I want to say is that there's no judgment here. Do you know what? God is full of grace. God is compassionate. God is forgiving. God is loving. But if you feel burdened by that, you're in a relationship at the minute and you're having sex, do you know what? Talk to someone in the church. Talk to someone in the church and they can pray for you. They can give you godly advice and wisdom. But just know that there's no judgment. Right, let's move on from sex. It's a bit awkward. Okay, another part of godly dating is serving. I remember a great piece of advice I was given by my youth worker when I was a Christian was that if you can serve God better with your partner than you can without her, then that's the right relationship. 
If you can serve, your, uh, serve God better with your partner than you can without her, then that is a godly relationship. If your relationship prevents you from giving your all to serving God, then it needs work. And that's challenging advice. Because when you're in a relationship, you want to just share everything with that person. You want to share every moment with that person. You want to spend every minute together because it's exciting. But that shouldn't take you out of all that God has called you to do, both inside and outside the church. The same goes for marriage. These relationships should draw you closer to the church family and not away from it. Yeah? Relationships should draw you closer into community and not out of it. Other people in the church, if you know someone who gets in a relationship and you start seeing less of them, they start serving less, they stop turning up to community group, they stop turning up to devoted group, challenge them. Have a word with them. Do you know what it's your duty as is, is a wider church family? Do it lovingly, do it gracefully, but offer them support. That's an important role of the wider church family to ensure that when people are in relationships, they're not removed from community. All right, hopefully you've now got some idea about what we mean by godly dating. I'm going to welcome the beautiful Haley up, who's going to talk some more about the practicalities of dating. Why don't you give it up for Haley? I'm going to be sharing some of the practicalities from our experience of some of the things that we found really helpful whilst we were dating. But to give a background first, I'm just going to share a little bit about how we met. Um, it was at North 2011, and it's actually quite a funny story. So Hannah and I were trying to, and I'm not sure why because we'd never done it before, but put up a tent on our own. We had borrowed this particular tent from the lovely Peacocks, who we trusted and took their advice that it was easy to put up. However, when we got there, it turned out that there were no poles in this bag. So whilst we were stood in the middle of an empty field, it was the day before North started, no one was there, um, figuring out what on earth we were going to do, we noticed two boys walking towards us from across the field. Obviously, we started getting a bit giddy and thinking what's going on. And then we noticed they had odd wellies on which were pink and purple, and it was pretty strange. However, it turned out to be Gav and his friend Kev, who then offered us some help to put our tent up. We told them we had no poles. They looked at us a little bit funny. We looked at them a bit funny, and then they walked off. How embarrassing that was. Probably the least romantic start to a love story. Fast forward six months when Gav and I started dating, he was a part of King's Church Darlington, and I was at Jubilee. We ended up going out for a year and a half before we got engaged, and then another year and a half before we got married in 2014. Right, under some of our experiences. The main thing that we found helpful when we were dating was that we had a lot of support from people in the church to give us advice both individually and together. Before we started dating, I'd spent a lot of time meeting up with Geordie, to just study the Bible, learn more about God, and just to chat a lot about life and just get some general support from her. It was great, as it started not long after I became a Christian. And it helped me get through some of the challenges that I faced. 
This type of relationship is so, so important for younger people and for those who are relatively new in their faith. And I would encourage everyone in the church to look out for those people. So when Gavin and I started going out together, we spent some time with Simon and Jodie, having meals together and just generally chatting through things. They gave us some advice about when they were dating and shared some of their experiences with us, which we took on board, and it, and it helped us in our relationship. It was great to have a couple in the church who we genuinely were interested in us and had our best interests at heart. We met up fairly regularly with them in the early part of our relationship, and the closer we got to our wedding this uh, to getting married, this formed our marriage prep, which we also did with them. And the fact we already had had that ongoing relationship with them meant that it was a lot easier to, to talk through things and it made it helpful and challenging and easier to share things with them. We also had a lot of support from other people in the church who were challenges in the area of dating, temptation and check how things are going and just to generally show an interest in us both. I think it is important when you're a Christian to have other people around you as it, when you're dating as it's such an emotional time and a demanding time. And wiser people who have been there before were able to share their advice with us as well. I would encourage you to try and get alongside those people who are in the process of getting into a relationship or who are already in a relationship and look for these couples or maybe individuals in this church who you can engage with. Another way that the church helped us in the dating time at the very beginning was the groups within the church. When we started dating, it was back when we had small and big groups. And at this time, Gav was still a big part of King's Church Darlington. However, I would always, he would always attend Stockton Big Group, which is the best big group at the time. <laughs> and this, this allowed him to still feel a part of the wider church family and to get to know those people who were showing support to us and me and it gave somewhere for us to be together and to spend time in worship and prayer. Gav got to know people well there too, so it was a great way of him to start being integrated into the church and build friendships for himself. Another main way that the, that from being connected into the church that helped us in the dating time and in the run-up to us getting married was Impact, which was then our student group. It was great to have Matthew and Mim leading the group, who were really real with us about dating. And we had a lot of great close friends around us, people who were in similar age and situations to us, like Hannah and Chris, Ali, Johnny, Holly, Tim and others. And all of these people helped create a time where Gav and I could spend time together and build relationships with others. It was a place where I felt I could be myself and Gav would therefore see me for who, who I was. It was a relaxed place where there was no pressure to be anyone else. It was also a place where everyone in the group spent a lot of time encouraging each other and praying for one another. It was a, a real impar really important and really exciting to have these friends around us when we were dating. It was also great as we could spend time within Impact in smaller and larger groups. And this meant that we could spend time together and it wasn't always on our own. It helped create a safe public place for us to get to know each other more and more and to also grow in friendship with others. The other good thing about Impact was that it allowed us to be Haley and Gavin as separate individuals and growing our own faith instead of always being labelled as a couple. The pressure when you are dating is to be seen as one person, almost like when you were already married. But in my opinion, there is plenty of time for that. Don't try and rush into it. 
Dating is a time for you to continue growing individually in your own faith and develop as your individual. It is really important to stay connected to God and fall in love with Jesus more and more. So at this time I was serving in kids work and I continued to do that for a while and Gav started serving in youth work when he joined the church. For a little while before I felt called to join him in that. So when we started dating Gav was living with a couple from King's Church, Liz and Graham. And at that time when he was living there, there was two other lodgers and Liz and Graham's two teenage sons. From the beginning, Liz and Graham showed us both love and support. And looking back now, I'm so grateful for all they helped us with, taught us and most especially loved us through. They were really spiritual parents to us both. And I'm so thankful that the house was such a welcoming place and such a happy place to be. It allowed us to have space to spend time together. Because when you're dating and trying to save up for a wedding and to move out, it was tricky to find things to do together. After a few months, we sat with Liz and discussed some house rules. Well, we don't really want to call them rules, but that's what they were sort of called um, that she wanted to put in place. Firstly, to protect our relationship, to help her and to be an example to her two teenage sons. So, it sounds strict, but these rules really weren't. They were so helpful and they generally helped us a lot. So firstly, we agreed that in any room in the house, we wouldn't be alone with the door shut and we wouldn't be alone anywhere after 10.30pm. After a while, she also suggested that I could stay over to help with the practicality of seeing each other as I didn't have a car then and it took me around an hour to get there. So Gav would sleep in the dining room downstairs. Shall I just say he slept on a pile of cushions that then got named the floor bed in the end and Liz made me a lovely comfy bed upstairs. This may sound strict to some people and not too strict enough to others, but it was important to have these in our relationship and be aware that Liz was looking out for us and it was through love. And it wasn't because she didn't want us to spend time together at a certain time or because she could set rules because it was her house, but actually because she wanted to support us, love us and help remove as much temptation as possible. It was good to have people who we knew cared about us and we could talk to if we struggled with it. And I think that is what you need most because it's so easy just to never speak about it. So these rules were put in place and we chatted about them a lot. They could be changed or adapted if we were struggling with it or if we didn't feel it was strict enough. And actually, because their house was always full of people, we found ourselves spending a lot of time with others. And it wasn't a case of, oh, it's like 10.29 and 59 seconds, we need to like go downstairs now. It meant that we loved to be off, quite often be around others in the house and this goes up back to what Gav was saying about relationships shouldn't draw you out of community. They should draw you into it. The last thing that I'm going to talk about that we did together when we were dating, which was really helpful for both of us in our walk with God, together and individually, was when we were at New Day one year, we decided to buy a book. And it was called Thinking, Loving, Doing by Francis Chan and John Piper. We had a copy each and say every few weeks or so we would read a chapter separately and then pray and talk about the chapter together. And this was helpful to us as it allowed a time when we would pray together as it was a very difficult thing. Every time we would say, oh, we'll pray tonight, or we'll pray on a Monday night, for example, there would be something that got in the way and it was so hard to set aside time to do that as the devil would attack and not let it happen. So this was a great way for us to establish praying and discussing things together. 
I'm sure that there are many more things that were helpful when we were dating, but those are a few of the ones that stuck with us and definitely established great foundations for our marriage. All right, if the band could come off, that would be great. So hopefully you have some idea about what godly dating could look like and some helpful tips around that. By the way, don't read that book, Thinking, Loving, Doing. It's rubbish. <laughs> I hope Francis Chad never listens to this. <laughs> Just to say, though, if you are dating or thinking about dating, it's really important that you share that with someone. Not so that they can get into your relationship and know all your secrets, but so that they can support you, pray for you, and give you advice. God puts us in a church community so we don't have to do things alone. So we don't need to go through life alone in the subject area of dating is no different. All right, we're going to put dating to one side for a minute now. Okay. I just want to finish by going back to where we started, really, back to this passage in Colossians. One of the main things about it, it just says, when you take your eyes off the things of this world and put them firmly on God, things start to change. And that changes different things. It changes your attitude to work, to your neighbours, to finances, to family, to relationships, to everything really. When you take your eyes off the things of this world. And I just want to end really by just praying for us uh, as, a, as a church community and as individuals so that we can put our eyes on God. So that we can take our eyes off the situations of this world. So what happens, we talked a lot about this this morning, what happens is when your eyes are on the situations of this world and not on God, you start to get weighed down by things. Things start to get on top of you and you start to struggle. So I just want to pray for us, uh, and, and Andy's going to sing, just to kind of realign our hearts back to God, really. Put our hearts and minds back on him in every situation and see how that changes things this week. So why don't you guys stand and I'd love to pray for us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, that you're a, Lord, that you're a Father who is uh, who's available to us, Lord Jesus. Lord, you're a God who's there for us, Lord. Lord, in every situation that you're there for us, we don't need to go through things alone, Lord. And God, I just want to pray for us as a community this morning, Lord Jesus. Lord, would we be people who set our hearts and minds on you? above all else, Lord. God, if we've got our minds in a situation at the minute, Lord, if, we, if we've been looking down, Lord, would you lift our eyes up, Lord? Lord, if there's anyone here who's got their head buried in the sand and they can't see upwards, Lord, would you right now speak to them, Lord, and help them to look up to you? Yeah, Lord, I just want to pray for each of us, Lord, as, as we leave here today, Lord, would we leave with people uh, whose heads are lifted high to you, Lord? And in that, Lord, would you change things this week, Lord? I pray for breakthroughs in our relationships, Lord, in our workplaces, with our neighbours. Lord, I pray for breakthroughs on the Alpha course this time because the people serving on it are people whose eyes are fixed on you. Lord, at the start of this year, we want to be a church community whose hearts are fixed on you and your plans. So, Lord, would you just come right now, Holy Spirit, and do that? Would you just come right now and do that?
Amen.